This episode is backed by Goethe Institute Munich. Hello, um, today we're in Bamako, Mali. This is another episode of Nkata, conversation on art and processes. And today I'm going to be having a conversation with Uche James Iran. Um, he is a photographer and an educator in the art. He lives and works in, uh, in Lagos, Nigeria. And I have known him for practically all of the time that I have been a photographer from the beginning. So um, this conversation is going to be very much around that, around that relationship, but also um, him as a person and him as an artist. Uche, you're welcome to Nkata. Jiman. Yes. <laughs> um, first of all, let me start by um, saying that I remember that the first time I came to Bamako, it was like this. We were all here together. We flew from Lagos to, uh, to, to Bamako. And I was exhibiting at the Bamako Encounters then in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's actually the later part of the story because how I got into photography is that I became your assistant when I came to Lagos right away. Two days after I arrived in Lagos, I started working at your studio, at Dolphin Studios in, right. in, in Lagos. And from then on, the rest is history. Before we get into how you became an artist and all of that, can we can we talk about Dolphin Studios? And um, because what's interesting is that I came in and they also became beyond the studio. It was also I was able to meet all these other photographers. So it became this ecosystem, the school, the school. Before I always say that's the, the fundamental sp- asylum. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So can we can we sort of like. Go down memory lanes. This is the last term. Um, that was the last term. Um, time minutes of the millennium, you know, like um, 1999, mm-hmm. 2000. And um, Dolphin Studios was a was a madhouse. It's a place, um, it's a four-floor building of photography. There was music. There was a live recording. There was, what else? There was graphics and print production for visual communication design. And um, photography always had the ground floor, you know, and um, it was a very beautiful period, but at the same time, very difficult and painful um, because at the time <clears throat> I just left university and I just finished my um, youth service. But it was very difficult in the sense that um, I was amazed when I arrived at Dolphin Studios that um, the sound engineers were not trained. I was I was surprised that people who populated the photo studios, the, these are photographers and um, the lab laboratory people were completely uneducated about the work and about, you know, general orthodox education. They were not educated people. And I'm wondering, how can something as intricate, as complex as photography be handled by people who weren't trained? And um, the head of the department was completely, I mean, he knew nothing. So my art background as a sculptor, I began to question that kind of system. How can it be possible? I mean, they came there just in a living, like they were closed, work by um, five and leave. But that's when I get into the dark room and start having fun. And I was also I was also frustrated by the fact that I didn't I dodged the chemistry classes in school. Now, oh my God. Now I, I wish I knew chemistry. Because I was dealing with chemicals. I, I realized that art is pure science, you know? Pure science. Because I was dealing with light as a photographer, and light is pure physical science. But what was most painful for me at that point was that I could forgive people who weren't in the arts who didn't believe that. Photography was an art form, right? Mm-hmm. But what really got me depressed almost was that even artists, people who had art degrees, who were painters, who were like sculptors, who had 
the same degree I had, who I have known for all my life, did not also accept it. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. So um, I was quite experimental. Coming from sculpture, it was very difficult. In, a, in sculpture, you can hammer something away, you can chip up wood, you can work with clay, but this is there's a negative film. I had to be super careful. Mm -hmm. So that transition was very intense, you mm -hmm. know, to become careful, not to scratch, to dust, being aware of dust and being careful with enlarger and to print perfectly. As adverse to clay and welding, and this is, that took the pace too. So, and Felakuti died around that period and mm -hmm. a lot was happening. So I came up with this name, because I was living in La Studio at that time. Mm -hmm. I came up with the name Photo Mental Asylum because I felt it was an asylum, you know. I mm -hmm. mean, I was alone in this house of thoughts where I was telling myself, look, this this is um, a new media for me. And um, very few people got it. I was even wondering if I was being just patronized by the ones who even thought they had it, mm -hmm. believed. Maybe just, they didn't want to make me feel bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I shot some things like weddings for people and I shot in black and white and developed and processed, printed mm -hmm. with very minimal approach. I'm just closing up on the fingers. I'm doing backlit photos and very artistic work. And I bring this thing to this client and the client tells me to just get the hell out. This mm -hmm. is rubbish. Where's my father's face? I can't see my mom, mm -hmm. you know. But now, <laughs> it's incredible that in 2019, that's standard right now, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm just grateful that it was possible that we're not crazy in the end. That mm -hmm. All these guys who, who thought photography wasn't an art form, they've bought cameras now. Mm -hmm. And they're asking me to just give them a crash course of just two weeks, you know, which I'm, I'm already a painter. I understand balance, mm -hmm. I understand color, mm -hmm. just to understand the equipment, you mm -hmm. know, the materiality of the work was mm -hmm. just a problem. Mm -hmm. And um, it's beautiful now. And uh, well, there was a middle point, actually. They didn't quite accept it mm -hmm. in the middle, but they began to come closer to photography. Mm -hmm. Not because it was anything they could understand, but because we had participated in, we had conquered platforms and become part of processes that they never dreamt mm -hmm. of being themselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had contact with people like Okuyemwes of Blessed Beautiful Memories, people like BC Silver, where already working with global platforms that they only could read about. And mm -hmm. they were like, wow. So these guys could be serious. You know, let's give it a shot. How did all of that um, take off? Um, oftentimes when someone asks me, okay, what happened at that time? I always make a point to say that I started photography, you know, the first year of the 21st century. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's an important marker. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. because I believe that we are somewhat, somehow, the forerunners of the century. No doubt, way. no yeah. doubt. And, uh, but then mm. you just mentioned that Fela died, but also that was, 1999 was when we got into, came into democracy and military. So like we seeded, yeah, yeah. you know, um, the military regime, and then we had our democracy. Um, do you think all of that played a role? How did Fela's um, death and Fela's time play a role in creating uh, atmosphere or the ground for that consciousness that, um, that seeped into photography? Fellas exit, physical exit, if you like, I mean, was an announcement of um, not the end of freedom because this is the guy who was able to articulate the fact that Nigerians needed to speak out. When this guy was recording albums that full of lyrics that people shared only in the confines of their bedroom in, in fear, but this guy was publishing those discussions, you know, mm -hmm. and he passed and um, his burial, his funeral was a huge event, you know. I mean, it was like no president ever got that kind of honor and respect, you know. And um, it was also a taboo at the time to photograph publicly even. 
because uh, we're just coming, like you said, from a military dictatorship. And mm -hmm. even the players, like the security people, did not understand that this was a new dispensation. Mm -hmm. People had the rights to photograph. Mm -hmm. We were arrested a couple of times for photographing just monument. <laughs> I mean, even my family sometimes, when I told them, look, I'm not going to do any sculpture, I'm going to work with the camera. And they're like, Uche, come on. And, well, they say, Uche, you know, Uche, come just let him do what he wants to do if it's happy. And <laughs> I, I mean, I'm investing a lot of money in equipment instead of buying a welding machine. You know, I mean, that was intangible. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the medium was very cynical and very interesting at the same time, very, well, I say, what's the word? And very um, latent mm -hmm. because I mean, you, you, you capture and you, you don't even see anything. Exactly. You must wait to process to see. It's in this process of processing the work that you are thinking. You have 12 shots mm -hmm. in, the, in a row of film and you have two hours to shoot. You must really think. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the difference. But it was um, the um, overture. It was the opening of a lot of energies, even in music. People were starting recording mm -hmm. music yeah. you know, fearlessly and expanding the direction of lyrics. And mm -hmm. you, you could question a few things you couldn't do in the past. And Dolphin Studios was the center where everybody was recording music on the top floor. The photographers were shooting on the ground floor. People were doing graphic graphics designers, in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big, huge, huge beehive of activities for everyone who was working in the media generally two-dimensional and even up to three-dimensional works. So. Now, when you look back now, you, you know, you, you look at now, um, how much, um, where will you place the significance of Dolphin Studios in relation to now in, you know, in making, you know, cause everybody now talks about Lagos as this ad hub, mm. you know, this place, everybody comes in Lagos, this right. Lagos, that where is Dolphin Studios and how, how much contribution will you attribute to, to Dolphin Studios? No, it's incredible. We can't overemphasize it. You know, even in advertising, all the people who are doing serious work in advertising in Lagos, mm -hmm. If you look at 10 people, seven of them are Dolphin Studios people. I mean, Emeko Ogodi, MD, the, the CEO of the place, invested so much money, so much money. And more, more especially, he invested in human capital. Instead of working with the expert old guys, he was working with hotheads from the schools, you know, fresh graduates. And this was something that even people thought he was crazy. So it was very experimental. It was also in Dolphin Studios that we met, that we met Akimbo Akimbi walked into the studio yeah. one day and mm -hmm. the, I mean, I'm saying, who is this guy? He doesn't want to print anything. He doesn't want to take any photos. But he's asking me questions about my photos on the wall. I don't have fantastic photos. We didn't have fantastic photos of weddings on the wall. We had photos of our experiments, you know, like the Lena things, like IMF loan, asking questions that we couldn't ask before, you know. Mm -hmm. So he said, look, listen, I'm putting together this group of photographers to present something at Bamako. I said, where the hell is Bamako? So he's, the, he's in Mali and he's the meeting of photographers in Africa. I said, for real? Okay, cool. And he was saying, a very modest gentleman, he said, look, do you think you want to be a part of it? I said, if I think my life, my, <laughs> this is my life right here. Come on, man, let's go for it. You know? <laughs> so it, it was a selection and there was um, Kelecha Madebi and T.Y. Shokefu. So would you say that it was that first um, Bamako exhibition? It was in 2001, if I remember. 2001, yes. Because I was keeping the studio. That's right. When everyone was out there. That That's was, right. Uh, then eventually, two years later, I would, I would um, uh, now participate. Participate, right. But 2001, I was there when all of you um, Depth of uh, yeah, traveled mm -hmm. um, to, to do with um, Akimbode. And he was curating... In right, Nigerian pavilion, right, right, so to speak. Right. Um, so, will you say that 
it was that first Bamako encounters that began, you know, the whole, not just we're going to come to depth of field, but also the whole wave of exhibitions eventually and things. But were there other things happening before that that was already giving hints that that's where we are going no. in terms of international exhibitions, international exposure, um, basically contemporary photography from, from Nigeria and Lagos? It actually was that, but we didn't, that wasn't what we were thinking about. We just celebrated the fact that there was validation. We're not crazy after all. And we showed up in Bamako and we realized that, wow, there's a world of people who were also on that tangent, okay? People who thought photography was more than just a tool of survival, mm -hmm. okay? So it kind of, we, the works we presented were not, were very individualized. You know, this is my, I was doing completely conceptual work and my friends were doing also something like almost uh, reportage style work. But it was critical that, to remember rather that um, the response to the Nigerian pavilion, if I use your word, was um, that your works are different, you know, they're strong. We got a lot of interviews and talking to people all over the world, press from all over the world. And I realized when I thought to myself, look, there were very beautiful works from other artists all over, from coming from diaspora even. But what was critical to understand for us, for me, was that we, we didn't create strong work, but I would come from a strong background. Interesting. Our experience as Nigerians was and is still super different from other African countries. Post-colonial colonial experience, even our present economic reality is so, so peculiar, that's the word, in comparison to other African countries. And mm -hmm. it's only reflected in the works we presented. And then from there, um, you started thinking of working as a collective. Um, how did you get to that idea of saying, okay, let us, you know, work as a collective as opposed to all man for himself? That's right. In Bamako, I mean, it was like a family meeting. Right. Mm -hmm. We met people like um, Ananias Lekidago mm -hmm. from Abidjan, and he was also fighting alone, you know. And I'm saying, look, at, I called Kelechi and T.Y. I said, look, listen, the only way we can survive or to push this agenda is to also nucleate our energy, to work together as friends. First of all, as friends. It was obvious that vocation might fail and um, the tensions, the sensibilities that attack vocation might get the better of us, you know? Mm -hmm. But friendship always is the last one to go because then it's not because this guy is good or bad, not because he's a better photographer or not, just because he's my friend and I love him or her. So we, in the Le Jene Hotel in Bamako somewhere, I need to go and look at that place again mm -hmm. and lunch. And we just said, we're on the table eating. And I said, Kalechi, maybe we should just start working together. And Kalechi spoke more, he had more energy. He said, look, we should work together. And, um, Amaizo Jekere was there as well, and Kelechi Amadiobi, T.Y. Shokefu, Tony Shokefu, and I said, look, let's, to broaden the area of value in this arts community in Lagos, depth of field, that's the area of sharpness in the picture plane. Mm -hmm. Depth of field, yeah, that's could be, that could be a good name. Mm -hmm. So we got the name depth of field. So now it's interesting, depth of field, now that we're talking about it now, we know that is a is a terminology in photography that That's is right. you know very central in yes. in sort of like giving depth mm -hmm. and well giving depth to to an image given that is a two D but then conceptually can you sort of like talk about it what it meant you know the way um, it was employed by you in, in the context of say Lagos Africa and collectivity well two things it was clear to me I'm, I come from a background of sculpture 
And I was always intrigued. I'm, I'm still looking for this third, elusive third dimension in photography. I was so frustrated by the fact that I was, uh, I was seduced by the immediacy of this medium. I mean, I could take a photo and I could process it in two days. I could see something, but I could walk for it. I could walk on a piece of sculpture for like one month and you're not even anywhere near the finish. But also I was really calmed by this medium, deceived completely. <laughs> and I, 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 I dived in head deep and I realized that it was just the same. Mm-hmm. Being able to articulate your thoughts were the same process, you know, mm-hmm. you, you couldn't, you couldn't rewind composition. You can't avoid balance. You couldn't negotiate your way out of rhythm and the same principles that governed all forms of art, you know, mm-hmm. but being, um, but we we're all, I was heavy on content, you know, I didn't care much how sharp an image or was or how, out of focus it was. I was more bothered by the fact that I was worried. Well, my concern really was how much I would be able to communicate to the audience because mm-hmm. this is the core purpose. Mm-hmm. Content was my thing. And mm-hmm. uh, it pushed it to the level of also questioning and responding to political and economic situations mm-hmm. and issues. This for me was the only way I could also confront my audience who were asking if Photography was art, mm-hmm. you know. So then you look at this image, and instead of saying, oh, nice, sharp photo, you're saying, wow, this country is going crazy. Oh, we can do this to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. For me, that was the kind of responses that I was mm-hmm. looking for. And so depth of field, it, it, in, in this case now, um, was, say, depth of perception? Yeah, not just perception, but also to articulate the, the position of photography. In the culture of public commentary in Nigeria, which was almost going out of fashion, you know, mm-hmm. since Fela had died, mm-hmm. he's the chairman of public commentary, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, can photography also come as an option, mm-hmm. if not an alternative, to discuss just running parallel, but heading to the same direction, to discuss the same issues that are challenging nation building, mm-hmm. you know, generally, and. Um, we we plan to just confront people and leave them with the realities. And photography did just that at a critical period in Nigerian history. Mm-hmm. Even now, people still um, there's a healthy healthy population of photographers and less based artists in Lagos who are working completely conceptually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about conceptual uh, uh, photography in in Lagos. Um, from my own um, vantage point. I always say that it invariably began with, you know, Dolphin Studios, you, you know, standing very strong for conceptual photography. And then there's also Don Baba and, uh, yes. and, you've, and you've mentioned uh, Akim Bode as well. Right. There's, uh, you know, Jidadini Jones. Incredible now, people, yes. So these, are, these are people who were there then. Mm-hmm. But now our depth of field, the, the collective, yeah. you know, started having this vision here and there. So at every point in time, you were central to that. So... How can you can you sort of like reflect on the history of contemporary uh, conceptual photography in Nigeria and try to sort of like flesh out how it, it, it happened, how it came to be the key people and where you know they happened and how we we got here today? I mean, we are in Bamako in 2019, and uh, many there are some young uh, um, Nigerian photographers here. And since that 2001 in Bamako, uh, Nigerian photographers have, have almost won a prize. In the, uh, the, all, uh, yeah, in almost every, all. Every edition, yes. In every edition, mm-hmm. they come, they, they win a prize. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. How can you talk about the um, evolution of 
Nigerian uh, contemporary photography, Nigerian conceptual photography, mm. you know, just give it some tentacles. Let's see. For me, it's, it's almost impossible to discuss anything about Nigeria without looking at the very eclectic political, economic, cultural DNA of this country, right? Everything we see is, has just been a presentation, a reflection from this thing that is inside that makes Nigeria, Nigeria. If you look at music, for example, the energy in Nigerian music is incredible. Like Nollywood, like photography, like fashion, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, even at the airport, there's this guy who's demanding that he will, he won't be taking, taken to a lounge. He had 12 hours delay, um, layover. And he said, look, listen, in the contract, in the ticket, it says I need to go to a hotel, blah, 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 blah. And the, I'm asking the manager, what's going on? He says, everybody's kind of cool, but this guy is insisting he's, he's making trouble. He's demanding something, but he's right though. He's right. But he doesn't want to, he's going to make a scene. And I said, well, then give him what he demands if it's, if it's his right. He said, they do this all the time. It's Nigerians, you know, it's Nigerians. <laughs> they do this all the time. This is the same energy in photography, okay? And I, I can't, there's no difference. That guy at the checking counter is, if he was a photographer, he'd be doing some kind of very confrontational work. And um, mm -hmm. it's just a result of who we have become as a people. Mm -hmm. I think the key issue is being able to articulate and negotiate your survival. Yeah. In a very hostile, but promising at the same time. That's the, that's the beautiful thing. It's a hostile situation, but it's so potentially promising, you know? Yeah. So so who, who are the people who are like doing work? Today, um, T.Y. and Kele Chama, they'll be mm. there doing it sort of like more on the commercial side of right, things. Right, right. But they were also, they were instrumental and they were, key, yeah. uh, you know, key. So yeah. um, can you sort of like talk about people who you remember, like some small anecdotes and moments for me, there was nobody really who were, people weren't considering conceptual work as something they could do because it was, there was no immediate commercial value. Mm -hmm. You know, Kelechi and T.Y. were always tilted towards commercial photography. It was you, Emeka. We are the only one that showed any promise of going conceptual who was really interested in the content, you know. 99% of people working with cameras at the time didn't care about the image. These were survival-driven enterprises, you know? Yeah. I mean, why should I talk about Nigeria? What's my, am I, am I fed like, yeah. what, what's my own? That's, yeah. what's my business? Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to feed me, mm -hmm. you know? People didn't feel convinced enough to stand in the gap, to mediate, to to be a catalyst, you know, mm -hmm. to instigate discussions, mm -hmm. conversations even. Because if you came to the photo studio, to the photo mental asylum, mm -hmm. and you have 30 minutes to process your work, I mean, in 20 minutes, you'll be talking about politics, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. religion even. We'll be talking about <laughs> yeah, things exactly. like our belief in God. We'll be talking about our relationship with the government, mm -hmm. why it's not possible for us to take photos. Mm -hmm. So these conversations always melted into compositions mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the end and maybe because of my training as an artist first of all inspired by people like professor franco guillermo who, mm -hmm. who in a four-hour lecture would take out one hour to conscientize he calls it mm -hmm. his students and we arrived as graduates trying to always intervene you know and um it was a difficult thing to understand so you showed up in dolphin studios also with that mindset you know of intervention, which is still what's going on with your work at the moment. Not everybody was tilted towards that. And mm -hmm. but what's critical, what's super critical was that I thought to myself, Uche, 
if we are going to make progress in photography, if, if photography was going to make any progress in Nigeria, we are going to train people. We're going to raise people, mm -hmm. right? We're going to educate people. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the curriculum of universities and schools in the country. There was nothing happening for photography. Exactly. Exactly. And even something came up. Uh, I mean, uh, there used to be a, a time when they would have, uh, even as a polyjam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they would have, you know, photography. Mm. You know, you can study photography in Yabatek. Yeah, and that yeah. Was, it was a fresh development. But, <laughs> but I was asking, who, so who are the ones teaching photography? <laughs> <laughs> that, oh, but that's not talking about yeah. stuff. Like just two years before, now there's a university. Now there's a lecture. Who is the lecture? Mm -hmm. What's the knowledge? What's the content? What's the mm -hmm. curriculum? Yeah. What is the use? Yeah. Like you just mentioned now, like I was working or in that mindset of mm. conceptual photography. But yeah. for me, um, I remember how I got to Dolph uh, Dolphin Studios. It was, I saw this um, photograph um, with my uncle, Charles, mm. who um, at the time was a best friend. You guys were in school Charles together. Okay, okay, yes. yes, Charles, my uncle. And then I saw this photograph of um, Fela Kuti. Mm. Um, in his archive, in his house, mm. in black and white. You know, right. he had the he was doing the black power sign, right? And I was like, oh, this is so powerful. This is so strong, yes, you know. Yes. And I was already interested in photography because I had read a, a textbook on photography, and I realized it was pure science. You know, I did science. I did science. Uh, unlike you, who means chemistry, I had, I, I wrote it. <laughs> yeah. I, I wrote it in GC and Jamb. Mm. I right. did, I even wrote for the maths. Wow. You know? Yeah. But you wouldn't tell us how you fed the results. Yeah. <laughs> I did well. I did well. I remember one we, time at Dolphin Studios, we, we, we I, I celebrated know. my GC results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, uh, yeah. I bought a, I bought Fanta and everything for everyone because yeah, the result yeah. came and I passed. <laughs> and I passed. This it, is this is this is twenty years. Come, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it will it will be the, it will be the result I will present at the Fine Art School of Paris for me to get into the Fine Art School wow. of Paris. It was that GCE. The one I celebrated in Dolphin Studios when I I went I went there and I got my 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 result slip and I passed every every um I passed the science this is mm -hmm. physics maths chemistry everything and economics even so I saw that photograph I was like wow this is powerful and then he just said oh it was made by my friend Uche and he's a photographer in Lagos I'm like so this is even possible to make in Nigeria. I thought it was made somewhere else that is right. that is you know far fetched you know um, in the US or anything you know that's how we think about everything that is that is well done <laughs> right at the time eh? <laughs> yes at the time mm. so I came to Dolphin Studio with that mindset you know that you can photography can be this but also there's all these conversations that's happening Amazo Jekere would come to the studio as well mm. Ty was already coming right. and then I constantly there's these conversations happening there'll be books you know we'll be looking at photography. We'll, so there was an ecosystem and I, I felt like um I felt like that we had laid the ground for a way of thinking of photography a deeply. New, a, a new way. A, a new way of thinking of photography. Mm. Now fast forward to 2019. Right. I'm always thinking that okay, now digital photography happened. Younger photographers can make photos yes. faster and deliver it faster. And then all of a sudden, there's a feeling, I feel, that we don't have that sort of like space anymore where there's really content is important um, yeah. to discuss and to always have that tactile way of thinking about photography where right. you're not thinking only about, yes. oh, what, you know, you are thinking how, like you said, if you look mm. at a photograph, you're not thinking about how sharp or how, you know, what yeah, yeah, yeah. the contrast or the clarity. Um, you are thinking how content is it, yeah, how is it speaking what to, is it saying? Yeah, yeah. How do you go beyond those representation? How does, how do you really go to Okay, this photograph is actually 
talking about this issue or can get people to have this conversation in depthly. So what has happened? Why has it shifted? Why is it like, you know, it feels like Nigeria Airways where... <laughs> It feels like Nigeria Airways where it yeah. feels like we, you know, the future has already happened in the past. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So it, um, it, do you get that sense? Or yeah, is it, yeah. is, it's, is it's, there, it's there all the yeah. time. History is not absent-minded, okay? And um, there's, the world for me is engulfed right now in this false immediacy, okay? You can take a photo and you can email it in two seconds, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Music is the same. I mean, you could go to a jazz orchestra and listen or to some spoken words. and But people want to listen to very profane and not as a popular music. Pop music mm-hmm. has always been popular, but the quality of content has completely become something that's not priority right now. In every, mostly every discipline of arts, even in politics. If you look at global politics right now, I mean, we, we don't have, it's not about a well-spoken leader anymore. It's about who is well-positioned. It's about who is willing to do what. So it, it has affected quality, you know. So this immediacy has attacked process. You know, when you have to process and think, for example, these photographers now who are who are working the digital medium and they, they arrive, even the commercial ones, okay, they are doing commercial work and they arrive at an event. You have a 64 gig card, and the camera is on the high-speed shutter release mode, you know. So, so they're going. <laughs> they don't know the father of the bridegroom, okay? <laughs> and in two, three hours, he's got like two thousand images. Mm-hmm. So I'm calling this guy, Tony. What's up, man? He said, ah, Mr. Uche, my back hurts like crazy. I said, what happened? Did you fall? He said, no, I was editing all night. What, what happened to you? So I have 4,000 images to edit. <laughs> now today you go die for Lagos in case. Because the process of looking to see with the naked eyes is becoming old fashioned. Yeah, yeah. And this is something that's very painful. So it's so critical that we need, at this point, filter. There's need to filter, right? I'm looking at the 2019 Bamako artistic direction and I'm hoping to find that element that reminds us about the need mm-hmm. to filter. Yeah. Because there's tons of materials being produced. There's audiovisual materials. There's loads and tons and tons of things created. But mm-hmm. We need to see through these things to mm-hmm. understand, to have a clear vision, mm-hmm. to even realize that it is important to see that capturing is only conservation. Mm-hmm. We're conserving what we've seen because if we don't see... Mm-hmm. We have nothing to conserve, right? Mm-hmm. If Shoyinka gave you his personal pen, I don't know what you will write. You know? <laughs> um, I mean, it's like taking going to the shrine and they say, Femi Kutu said, this is my father's saxophone. Mm-hmm. And also I say, it was his signature instrument and you take it home. You won't make an album. I mm-hmm. don't know how your album was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you, so what we need to discuss now is the the um, responsibility that guides purpose, you know, that equipment, that camera, you know, if you take, if you take a shot, right, is it a story? We need to be able to distinguish between a shot and a story. Mm -hmm. Like picking up a guitar and you you strum 
on the strings, right? Mm-hmm. That's a sound, but yeah. I don't know if it's a song. Mm-hmm. So these are things we should discuss more, mm-hmm. you know, to articulate and further to harvest good quality in the mm-hmm. end because there's a huge mass of materials being produced. Mm-hmm. So it's a critical thing right now. I mm-hmm. think we should be looking at that more now. And I'm and talking globally. Yeah, oh, globally. Yeah. Global. And you yeah. think that what is happening in Lagos or in the Nigerian photography scene for the young ones are... Mm. Um, a function of a, sort of like a, a global uh, reaction to this yeah. proliferation of really, of course yeah, there's a massive of, proliferation yeah, of, going you on know, mass in production man, yeah. in everything but we must be careful our constituency is photography and we must also be responsible to mm-hmm. throw light to guide because even I mean I was I belong to this group um, last part is Lagos State Association of Photography these mm-hmm. itinerant mm-hmm. daily survivors and and they're my people. Mm-hmm. I feel more comfortable working there. And um, they called me and said, Mr. Oji, we're going to the government house with the governor because um, we have an argument with the video mm-hmm. department, people who are doing video, that they were, video guys were doing photography now, doing stills. So it's a big fight. I should come and argue with them. And I said, no, come on. So <laughs> I arrived, we arrived there and it was beautiful. All the video guys are my friends from young. So and I'm like, I said, look, I, I told them, my friends, my people, my still photography people. I said, listen, you posted something this morning on your Instagram talking about road construction or the bad state of roads in Lagos. Are you a journalist? Are you, maybe channels, the TV people should come and fight you because you are doing their work. Everything is everything now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. because the same equipment that takes the photos can make the video. So why yeah. not? We have phones, you know, we have image grabbing devices all the time. You know, and the argument shouldn't be why shouldn't be survival shouldn't be the inspiration mm-hmm, mm-hmm. survival never helps anything yeah it never just like me i believe that punishment never changes or corrects humanity yeah love is better if you share more maybe it's better instead of fighting a post a process because the process you don't even you're not even interested in the image mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the image is it's your is your it's food on the table for you yeah. but it's made it's much much other things mm-hmm. than that so it was in the end of the day it was like an unprogrammed seminar. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to have an argument. I wanted us to also unpack a lot of realities that is not in their position to understand at the moment. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we left there thinking, oh, Jay, maybe we should start doing videos too. And I will add a bit of video in my photography. And, <laughs> and I said, and I said, well, so what's the difference between video and photography? <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, okay. So um, I, I want to go back a little bit further yeah. in time and right. uh, let's talk about... Um, you, you know how, how you grew up, parents, yeah. um, how it was, how you even got the kind of sensibilities that you have now. Right. And can you talk about your family background a bit, your as much as you as you want? Yeah, man. It, I was just blessed to to be born into the kind of family I have. My dad was an incredible creature. Yeah, and um, I'm just blessed. You know, my dad. Core artist, I mean, hopelessly, I mean, so yeah. I, I mean, he couldn't be anything else. I mean, in fact, he was a dramatist. He was in theater. He was um, in broadcasting as well. And he was, um, he created one of the most successful sitcom dramas in the history of the country. Yes, Nigeria, yes, I mean. yes. And um, his area was in comedy, mostly in comedy. And he was very satirical in his approach, always using humor to address things that will be, mm-hmm. that even the government mm-hmm. are petrified to talk about. Mm-hmm. And um, he had... No distinctions. He drew no lines between life and reality. Yeah, yeah. And he, I mean, he would crack you up in a in a funeral, and mm-hmm. I mean, and he could make you think again in a very 
when you lose crazy party, mm-hmm. you bring something st- completely serious and intense, you know. And um, and I used to, he, those days in the 80s, there was this Mamsa, early 90s, there was Mamsa is mass mobilization and orientation stuff mm-hmm. by the government to sensitize Nigerians on behavioral things, whatever, yeah. whatever that meant. Um, he was a compare with Majek Fashek, but Majek Fashek was the music guy and he would, he was a compare and people would come and speak and blah, blah, blah. So I would go pick him up in the car and driving him home after, after listening to him in the stadium. This is a 35,000 capacity stadium. And mm-hmm. I'm asking you, daddy, look, I can't even speak. It's difficult for me to speak in a group of 20 people, but this is 25,000 people. On radio and on TV as well, people listening at home, how are you so confident? How do you do this? It must be difficult to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And he burst out laughing. He said, no, everybody's acting. People are lying, people are pretending, people are trying to get you to think in a particular way. They are presenting themselves in a particular way. They even dress up, they even rehearse it. In the morning you wake up, you dress and you think, what would people think? Should I wear the red one? Maybe I can make an impression with the blue suit. Okay, they're thinking. It's all a rehearsal. That's all dressing up. That's makeup. Okay. Then you arrive at the party, you arrive at the office and you are playing the game. There are no cameras and lights, but it's all drama, right? Mm-hmm. But the difficult part of life, the, what is difficult is to be real. Yeah. That's a difficult thing. And that got me thinking, you know. So I grew up with that kind of parent. And my mom was a teacher, a natural teacher, mm-hmm. whose ultimate aim was to raise great people. All right. And um, with this mixture, it wasn't when I had friends who who could draw. So we love to draw a lot. And these guys were like, my dad won't let me draw. He wants me to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we go to their house. When I, we went to their, when I went to their houses, they're like, my dad is coming. Let's hide our drawing books. You know? Let's switch off the radio. I felt that was weird because we're playing some Bob Marley and some Peter Tosh, you know. But in my home, I'm playing music and my dad walks in and he says, which, which album was that? I say, it's Peter Tosh, it's equal rights. He said, okay, the second track is really wicked. Play the second track. Mm-hmm. And he goes into his room and we're singing together. And for exams, for jam, you know, the entrance to the university and I'm, I choose fine and applied arts. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm telling him, daddy, I got my jam um, forms. So what should I feel? He said, come and get out of here. Feel whatever you want to feel. <laughs> Your job, if you want to be a bricklayer or a truck pusher, in his own words, mm-hmm. you can study truck pushing, but you owe me something, you must be the best. You must yes. give it your all. Wow. I'll pay the wow. fees, I'll buy you truck pushing books. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, that was the energy. Yeah. Ibo say, you know, Mm-hmm. Maybe you have to translate. Yeah, it's a, a loose translation will be <laughs> yeah. uh, someone that um, the father sent to steal. Uh, uh, for an errand, uh, uh, to uh, steal. not to steal, uh, uses a leg, will, his leg, his bare leg, yes. to, to, to we, kick down the with door. With so much confidence and liver, <laughs> he won't give a monkey about the policeman because yeah. he's got authority yeah, he's got from authority, his dad. Yeah, from his father. Yeah, so, so that's, it. That's, that's powerful. Yeah, so that's how... The mindset that's got me thinking and look, even when everybody doesn't think it's working, I, I keep doing what I'm doing because even when I come back and my father will he'll say, Uche, this photograph is intense. Maybe do you think of it this way? Mm-hmm. You know, we could discuss. And this is my dad, not just a professor. So you were already making photographs that he could see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the time? Yeah, this is... 19, I'll come back from Lagos and okay. and I was sh- and he asked me, let me see what you're doing. Because he, he couldn't also quite understand the direction, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because he's coming from performance. Yeah. Know, and Photography was entirely new to everyone. Completely fresh yeah. stuff, you mm-hmm. know, So, but, but he could quickly understand it. And when he's shooting, he could ask me to come and in fact, I was lighting one of the Nollywood pieces he did and we worked together. And he went back and told my mom, look, Uche is still the same. He didn't treat me like his dad. He treated me like 
an artist on set and I was completely professional. He didn't have time to do any family talk until the work was over. <laughs> I didn't even realize I was like that. It was like, <laughs> my God. And it was something that he, he really liked, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is my background. And mm -hmm. it was completely fearless in terms of being able to experiment with new things and mm -hmm. ask questions and, you know, in a beautiful way. Because he, he also, my dad also said that, look, he doesn't think that we should have conflicts Mm -hmm. Like things like Biafra. We shouldn't discuss Biafra about like in a in a seminar. Maybe somebody's gonna storm out and someone who's lost 20 children is gonna kill someone in the meeting. But if it was a Biafra could have been a fashion label, you know. The same people who thought they were not part of the divide might need to wear those things. Because mm -hmm. if you went to South Latin America, you will see Che Guevara's t-shirts, mm -hmm. branded berets and things like mm -hmm. that, even towels. And yeah. yeah, very touristic. But this is, these are elements of a very crucial revolution. You but know? here they're not touristic. Huh? You yeah. see Che Guevara here as well. Yeah. You see yeah. Thomas Ankara yes, on the, yes, yes. the taxis. Yes, yes, they yes. Are, they are really political you know, stands and statements here but in, in Bamako. We're quite, we're quite um, in a huge denial, you know, mm -hmm. like in, I, I was in Berlin for a few months and I realized that the Holocaust wasn't something people were scared to talk about. It has even found its way into the curriculum of schools to remind people that we shouldn't do this, happen. we shouldn't let this happen again. Yeah. So I think this, that model really worked, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. yeah. So art, art for me is able to play and enjoy and discuss and explore things that government politics is completely petrified mm -hmm, to talk about. Mm -hmm. Basically, it sounds like um, you've kept this sort of like teaching or upbringing yeah. um, from your from your dad. Is it mostly your dad or your, or your mom? My father was also both? an incredible teacher, but my mom was professional, like teach in school. She was, she retired as a headmistress. Okay. But my dad was also an educator, but in his own way, mm -hmm. he was very interested in sharing knowledge. Yeah. But you know, let me tell you one thing that is interesting, or an anecdote that is interesting mm. when, you know, growing up. Mm. So the uh, sitcom that you referred to. The New is, Masquerade. Is New Masquerade. Yes. As a, as a kid, as a child, we watched New Masquerade. In fact, yes. that was our first education. Yes. I, I think it is one sitcom that really reached the public, but it was purely educational. Completely. And as a, as a child, you're looking at things with the, the eyes of a child. Right. But I know... Myself, because again, looking back now, I will read the you know the credits after each yeah. episode. I will read, and I know at some point I've already picked up that um, Gringory is James Iraha. Right. Somehow I've picked up James Iraha is Gringory. Uh, or James Iraha is Gringory. Yeah. And yeah, James Iraha is Gringory. So, but when I'm reading the credits, I will see um, written by James Iraha. Created by. Written. That's how I remember it. Okay. Written, written by James Iraha. And I will stop. But like, but James Iraha in that is the Gringory who is the houseboy. That's right. But how come he's writing the whole thing? So <laughs> it, it confused me for a long time. It's like, you know, there's more, yeah. like, but he's behind all of this. Yeah. Like he wrote, he wrote all of this. But yet, why did he give himself? Because we also I thought he would, you know, be the Zebudiah. The chief. Because he because he wrote it. Yeah. You know, but he was the houseboy. That's right. And he wrote all of that. So That's right. I, I kept that part. That was, you know, mm. it was almost like a, a mark of sort of like humility and, and sort of like leading from behind. But also I was confused. Yeah. I was really, really no, confused. Art but, enjoys that confusion, yeah. you know. Art always enjoys it, you know. When even, I mean, I, I came to Lagos the first time in my life in 1981. Um, my father had been honored with the National Award, OON. This is Officer of the Order of the Niger. Yes. And the entire Super Eagles, or Green Eagles at the time, the football, national football team, 
they, they got awards as well because they had won the Nations Cup a year before. This is 1981. Mm-hmm. So we showed up in Lagos from Aba. We, 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 we grew up in Aba. It's an industrial town in the southeast of Nigeria. And um, we're just in a beautiful hotel, just overlooking the Atlantic. I was nine. I told my dad, look, listen, we need to go to the water. I need to go to the water. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the beach. I mean, I need to tell my guys in school that mm-hmm. we went to the beach. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, we went to the beach. My brothers and my mom and my dad. We settled in, got a nice easy chair, sat down picking seashells and stuff. Then some some guy showed up there and said, look, yeah, see Gringori, see Gringori, see Gringori. <laughs> so he ran off. This guy, he's, he was uh, he was selling um, necklaces and cowrie shells, you know, bracelets and things like that. In 20 minutes, there was nothing less than 500, 200 people. Mm-hmm. We're completely surrounded. Mm-hmm. We couldn't even see the water. Wow. We had to leave. <laughs> and at that age, I said, I don't want to be popular. Wow. Okay. I don't want to live that way. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do the red carpet thing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be, not to be able to take a walk. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to go to the, to the beach with my family and enjoy the water. Is this something that you're proactively I'm re- very cons- re- rejecting I'm, I'm and refusing? Always, I'm always aware of this stuff. And what do you do in a situation where what you have to do, the work you have to do, um, is coincidental with you being popular. Do you reject that work because there is a possibility that you become famous through it? No, I don't. It works differently for me. For example, I, um, I teach in this um, Nikon. I used to have a contract with Nikon. We teach two thousand people at the same time. You know, and I'm not going to announce anybody to follow me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Don't follow me. I, I don't even know where I'm going, so don't follow <laughs> me, man. I'm following someone else. Yeah, you know? and. Um, I don't want to appear with my jacket in the award with the red jacket and the red carpet, you mm-hmm. know, whatever carpet color the carpet is. Mm-hmm. And, and to announce that, look, we're going to we have 25 billion followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to do that. In the photograph, we're not announcing any workshop or call for entries. We don't we, we don't call for entry. We just enter. You know, <laughs> we, I mean, if you love photography, you show up there and we're eating and we're talking about it. You mm-hmm. know. If... You, you're wrong with the knowledge and you create opportunities. You meet people who are not going to ask you to apply and qualify. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's qualified. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We don't need to fill any form for that. You know, so that has been a very liquid, fluid, organic process. Okay. I mean, if sometimes I go to some place and they say, somebody, guy, some guy walks up to me and says, ah, which is James Zero? I say, yes, what's up, brother? I start to deconstruct immediately. He's trying to, Say, okay, let's take a selfie. I say, selfish. What, are you selfish? <laughs> I mean, we can take it further, but I, I, I try to humanize the situation immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And keep on being who we are and being normal, being able to go down the street and interact with the mechanics and also to yeah. understand who they are, even before we photograph them. It's so interesting. It, you talk about the humanizing. Yes. I, I like yeah, the, yeah. you know, using that word, yes, humanizing. Yeah, because yes. I think that, you know. That's um, our only hope, yeah, you know. That's the only hope. That's the know? only hope, yeah. And, and I like the fact that you relate humanizing to being, you know, this other image that you create for yourself, you know, image of red carpet and all of that, that you sort of like set it up like opposite of that. I cried when, when um, Michael Jackson died, I didn't know how much I, I loved someone I never met, you know, Mm -hmm. his music was incredible, but his personality is also something I could relate to. I mean, Mm -hmm. this guy was in trouble, but Mm -hmm. nobody knew. Yeah. He has 1 billion followers. He's sold 16 million, 44 million albums of one album. Records of one album alone. Incredible stuff. But this is a man dealing with stuff. Just a human being. Exactly. A human exactly. being. We forgot the humanity. Yeah. All and right? he was able to show that this at the end of the day. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't fly with my dad, you know? Mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't drive like in the public transport with my dad. I see people talking with their dad and their dad's pointing things to them and they're talking. As soon as you get into the plane, the pilot's going to mention that he's there. Mm-hmm. Okay. They, but have you been able to deal with the fact that people, even in Lagos, I also experienced some of that, mm-hmm. that, you know, tabloids and mm-hmm. newspapers yeah. would, would, would first of all refer you as <laughs> the son of James Iroha. Yeah. But yeah, it's I, I don't care much. It's, it's the truth. I'm the son of James Iroha. But what? What is important for us to understand, and I tell people, is that he told me himself, my dad said that James Siroha is an Igbo man. Mm-hmm. Chief James Siroha, director of programs NTA. Mm-hmm. Gringori, Akwai Bomb House Boy. <laughs> two different people, which two different people. Like I was just telling you, James Siroha is Gringori. Mm-hmm. Gringori is not James Siroha. Mm-hmm. Gringori is a Calabar House Boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. I mean, people. People call, hey, Gringo, it's not Gringo, that's James Zero with his family, for goodness sake. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's also, he tells you that. And, the, and how, did he, how did he deal with that all the time? He, these guys were able to convince the public that this is real. Mm-hmm. It was so plausible. Mm-hmm. The work was so intense and successful that people actually believed it was real because these guys were dealing with issues that they were dealing with. Exactly. Right? So it must be true. And they check it and they said, look, listen, this must be true. Mm-hmm. And they're not talk, talking to us from the House of Assembly. They're talking to us from a stage. And this is so real that they don't know how to draw the line. Mm-hmm. You know, I was seeing uh, a performance yesterday by Bule, South African artist in the Benali, mm-hmm. about cleansing, you know. Mm-hmm. And she showed up there and completely co-opted the audience in mm-hmm. this cleansing salt water and salt solution. And he mm-hmm. was spraying the whole place with salt water. My t-shirt was completely messed up and the computers, the synthesizers there were also in danger yeah. and I realized that look listen this is my friend in, we, 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 just had, we just had lunch together now mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. now she's just become this character who is yeah. engaging us in yeah. this very intense you know experiment and experience and I'm like hey how this is how it feels to be in the public okay mm-hmm. and after the thing and I, go, I grab I said look what you want to mess up my my watch my phone man this is this is salt water and we both bust out laughing and I just mm-hmm. somebody suddenly realized how we kind of, um, we need to objectify ourselves mm-hmm. to help the public assimilate which, whatever we want yeah. to share. And yeah. this is important. But at the end of the day, you come back to that, you know, you, you humanize yourself again. immediately and, yeah. and enjoy your with, with even even yeah. Even with, uh, you know, with humor. You know? stuff, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a very some important Some important people medium. accost you with even danger mm-hmm. some people are walking with humor some people are doing horror mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. talking about stuff some mm-hmm. people are doing crazy stuff to bring you into the reality to the knowledge of something that politics will never ever mm-hmm. in fact they don't want you to know that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now that you are a father mm. how does it feel like you know how does it feel to now know that you have to pass on it's just you know all of this knowledge you have to raise your yeah. children in a, yeah. in a way that is as tangible as and as humane as your um, father also raised you, yeah. so that you know that you 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 walk around with confidence, knowing yeah. that this this is really the right way. Yeah. Um. Uh, to live. You know, I was, I, I always even shared with. We talked about family all the time. Even mm-hmm. when you came home for a while mm-hmm. on the project, we talked about it. Mm-hmm. The critical, the criticality of family. Mm-hmm. You know, because the art in this art in this new modern world, people think having a family sometimes might just slow you down. Mm-hmm. 
But my family is a big inspiration and um, it helps me to understand spiritually who I am and also to be responsible for other human beings and mm-hmm. also to be careful what you decide, mm-hmm. what you do, and also to give everything you have. Mm-hmm. It's important to give everything, not to give a part of it. You must mm-hmm. give everything. It's when you give everything that is of value that giving is completely complete. Mm-hmm. Okay, so being a father, right? I mean, I live and work in the same location. I've always done better mm-hmm. working from where I live. So yeah. I don't need to drive to some studio to create work. Mm-hmm. I'm talking with my kids or my fam- my wife and friends mm-hmm. and something comes to me and I just go downstairs into my office and, and my space and start creating stuff. Yeah. So, and we've got friends coming from all over the world to mm-hmm. the photo garage where we live. The kids saying, daddy, is th- that guy, he's German, right? I say, yeah, he's German. Can I see his work? I say, ask him, he's there. So they, they grew up confident, they grew up completely open to mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. diverse cultures. They grew up being very open and being aware of themselves that they're also citizens in this mm-hmm. beautiful mix, mm-hmm. you know, not being intimidated by anyone's different thought or different personality. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got friends came in, friends came in from the US and this guy was this kids were seven year olds, hardcore Brooklyn accent, you know, <laughs> fantastic kids. And mm-hmm. my son didn't couldn't understand anything they were saying. <laughs> And he told the boy, look, Tony, if you don't speak slowly, I, w- I won't understand what you're, what you're saying. And, and Tony's mom is my auntie. And Tony, kids are confident, they are crazy. I say, no, that's normal. Uh, no, normally, people will consider, some people will consider mm. them stubborn or this yeah, yeah, or that. How do you, it's not how do you, working. Yeah. The, we're disruptors. We disrupt. When, yeah. the, when the massive flow becomes dangerous and unhealthy, mm-hmm. there's need to disrupt it. Okay. Mm-hmm. For whatever reasons, maybe mm-hmm. something interesting might come. Mm-hmm. We might learn something fresh from disruption. You mm-hmm. know? I'm afraid when there's a mass movement and without thinking, mm-hmm. it's critical for me. I love the whalers. I love Bob Marley. I love Nesta Rastafari. I respect to him. Mm-hmm. But Peter McIntosh is somebody I have particular interest in. Mm-hmm. He's a disruptor. Mm-hmm. He's the one asking questions outside even music. Mm-hmm. He's the one who is more interested in challenging the system more than how many records are going to sell. Will it be, will it be, is it just dis- being a disruptor for disruptor's sake or there has to be a sort of like an agenda to that? First of all, you're not comfortable with a mass uni- unidirectional cultural flow. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. could be alternatives. Can we unpack conversations that could possibly lead us to to more variety? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then that's this, 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 this is the purpose, right? And when you disrupt it, then it's like a growing plant. You plant a seed and it's growing, right? Mm-hmm. Then you you chop off or you you bend the tree. It's going to shoot out a sprout mm-hmm. because growth must happen. Mm-hmm. But direction is critical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We disrupted art with photography. Yeah. Now there are tons of photographers. This is people who are even living commercially. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It was impossible in 2000, in 1999, for any child to tell his dad that he wanted to be a photographer. <laughs> yeah. But now parents bring their kids to the photograph, internship. Mm-hmm. This guy is doing math in school. He's studying in England, but I need him to be with you for six months. He's gonna be away for six months. So what camera should I get him? Mm-hmm. So leave this guy alone, we will talk. Mm-hmm. Because I also need to understand the, the, the guy's sensibility. Mm-hmm. Some parents come and they've paid this money already in my account and they're saying, look, let him start tomorrow. They buy him a camera. Mm-hmm. But the, the champion is not interested in photography. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's not. <laughs> I said, look, this guy, he might just be a whiskey engineer. 
Mm-hmm. He might be somebody interested in music or something else, but mm-hmm. he's not. He said, how do you know? I said, there are 25 photos on the wall. There are magazines. He hasn't even looked at it. Yeah. He's on his phone. Yeah. He's, he's doing something else. Do, do you think it's that's a, that's a, that's a measure for not being interested in something or it's more about what kids and young people are you, distracted by? It's, it's, um, is it the same thing? It's, do you know how many kilometers is it from about to Lagos? That would be around 500. You came. Yeah, but then we, we we have to also put into consideration that back then there was no social media, internet, and all of that that could distract you. I mean, Emeka, if you're doing something, Emeka, you're doing something. Emeka, I met this incredible guitarist, Cameroonian guitarist in Dolphin Studios, but he passed. I told him, I love guitar. Mm-hmm. The only regret I have in this world is I can't play the guitar. He said, you don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> if you did, you play <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean? Love is not, the, it's not an emotion. It's not something you do because you are interested in it. Mm-hmm. It's something you must do or die. Yeah, exactly. There's this crazy French hmm. bull walker, um, wire walker, right? I saw his, his bit on National Geographic. And somebody asked him the same question. What if you fall and die? He walked twin towers. I mean, he will rig it and illegally and walk. He'll be arrested. He's so happy when he's arrested. He's like, victory sign. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to this guy. I'm watching this thing. And the guy says, what if you fell and died? Mm-hmm. You know what he said? He said, what a beautiful thing to die in the middle of your passion. Hmm. Incredible stuff. And do you think that everybody that loves what they do can actually actually look at it from that? Or you say, Okay, if you if you don't see it from that that way, if you don't see that way, mm. you don't love. Which other way is it? What, what are the options? The the options of okay, um, I I love this, but I mm. will not die for it, if I have the option, or well, if that's the only option, I will not die for it. Emeka, by God's grace, I can afford a ticket a voix to come through Abidjan, right? We did twelve hours in Casablanca, man. In a detention, sorry, in a lounge <laughs> with Adebantu. And Ade was like, This is not crazy, it's crazy, man. This is, I said, This is a beautiful opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? This, how do I deal with time? There was internet. I did four seasons of on Netflix on the Vietnam War mm-hmm. from the French Indochina, mm-hmm. historically, till engagement of battle, boots on the ground by America, right? Mm-hmm. I'm comparing them with. The movies that we've watched, all the Rambo, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. This is history. Mm-hmm. Incredible detailed work of interviews of survivors on both sides mm-hmm. and key players who are still alive in government in America. Yeah. For me, that was the best time to think about those things because those are the things that feed my mind as I progress as an artist. You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. I, I was on the last one when they called me, look, you, you come on board, you know, come on board. I said, oh, yeah, <laughs> 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 There's this hidden criminals in the biggest prison in the world, I think, somewhere in Thailand. He's mixed. He's cocaine headquarters of the world in terms of mm-hmm. distribution, right? So there's this, foot, they call it the World Cup. They play football. Mm-hmm. Other countries play football. Mm-hmm. Like There's a guy that who organizes most of the, the matches. Mm-hmm. He's doing like 30, 20 something years. So he was going to be released. He said, Look, I need, I need to finish the last competition. We're organizing something here. Let's finish the competition before I go home. Mm-hmm. I said, look, you, have, you can go to, you have to be released tomorrow. I said, no, we must finish the match. Mm-hmm. The World Cup. Mm-hmm. It's the World Cup, man. 
<laughs> but some people are sitting in the cells thinking of the dates canceling down mm-hmm. that's a very painful process mm-hmm. you know? so it means it means like you, you you know you have to just take life the way it is and just be in it yes be in it my my father always told me that love is above the law love is above the law of course nobody's above the law but love only is above <laughs> the law for me it's not, it's not an emotion that's going to be the title of this yes, podcast by people the way. told me emeka is a crazy guy he's a mad guy Temperamental and crazy, I say yes, it's true. But living for me like that is <laughs> better. Yeah. So if you engage in judgment and they say, look, listen, you are wrong, yes, but I, I love him, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you read the Bible, I'm a Christian, by the way. Mm-hmm. If you read the Bible and you'll find out that the prodigal son did not repent, mm-hmm. he ran out of cash. Mm-hmm. But the Bible says that his dad always came to check on the horizon to beg him to come home. Even if you blew the cash, just come back home. I love you. My value on your life is not how much I've given you. It's who you are, blood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't love my kids because I'm talking about family right now. Yeah. Right? I don't love my kids because they're good kids. Mm-hmm. I love them because they're my kids. Yeah. It's not about being good or bad. Yeah. And it's only in that realm that you can be able to articulate things that the, mon- that the mundane mind cannot, where logic fails. Mm-hmm. We're doing stuff that wasn't economically viable. 20 years ago. It mm-hmm. didn't make any sense. We had friends who were working in banks. Yeah. Somebody saw my employment letter in Dolphin Series. I was earning 2,500 naira a month. Yeah. I did you believe it? <laughs> I was earning 2,500 naira a month. These guys burst out laughing when they saw my employment letter. Mm-hmm. These are my classmates from secondary school. Yeah. But I don't know today. So do you think that this is, this this love that you speak of, you know, mm. the one that you can mm. have mm. for your children, mm. the, one, the one that's above the law is mm. somehow is the kind of love that that you brought to um photography when you were when it was beginning for you i didn't have any other options and continue to sustain it now i didn't have any other options koyo koyo she was asking she was introducing me that which used to be the talented guy but now he he kind of disappeared and he used to be <laughs> <laughs> and i'm telling him I'm the, I'm the mystic man i'm a man of the past mm-hmm. like peter Tosh said i'm living in the present but I'm working in the future. Okay, so I want to ask you, how do you see, you know, the future of um, photography? Actually, I have two questions. This is the first one. How do you see the future of photography, African photography, given now that we are in Bamako, Mali, and this is 25 years of the photography encounters right. and we are discussing, and we are here to see African photography. How do you see the future of African photography? That's the first question. Then secondly, what are you working on now in terms of photography? Where's your... Where are you at in terms of photography or your practice? Okay, um, I was thinking that I was speaking to Koyo and because I'm not in the festivals, I'm not in the biennales and stuff like that, I have turned my gaze back to home mm-hmm. to indigenize my process. Mm-hmm. I don't think going to New York Biennale and being flying around the world and I'm looking back home and so the photo garage, what I've done is to also to establish the photo garage much more position it to tilt it to home and um, also to start creating works that are the content are talking about local issues mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm not going to cre- I don't think I'm interested in creating a highfalutin intangible issue things about movement space and spiritual and feeling now there's no light in Lagos man you know I mean there's no electricity <laughs> I mean these are more crucial things mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned and I'm not also interested in any work that does not make people 
who are comf- comfortable to become uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. Yeah, that very mm. line there is in line with you know my you know thinking. What are you? I'm always saying these days mm. that if you raise your children in such a way that they do not know or understand what it means not to have. Mm. then don't expect them to be the ones to change the world. They, they, they will completely be clueless. Yeah, they will be. They will be always be working for their comfort. Exactly. Yeah, anyway, I just want to cheat that in there. That's very yeah. critical. On my son's birthday, he said, Daddy, buy me pizza, buy me that. I said, no, Daddy, well, let's go somewhere. So we took the bus. Mm-hmm. It's the first time he was on the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the yellow bus in, in Lagos, the downfall. And the guy was like, what the hell? He wasn't comfortable on the seats, was hard seats. And he said, daddy, what are all these people? Are, are they all going the same place with us? I said, people are going everywhere they want. I mean, be, within two bus stops, he had asked me like 10 questions. And one guy asked me, bros, is it the first day on the bus? I said, yes, get a bus down. <laughs> you know, so he asked, he asked me, daddy, why is that man shouting? That's the conductor yelling, oh, should you, should you say? So why is he shouting? I said, he's asking people to come. He's looking for passengers to come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so he come back home and said, okay, daddy, so not everybody's daddy has a BMW, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people in the car, in the bus also have cars, but they chose like us, we chose to ride. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not convenient, maybe the car is not working. Mm-hmm. Life is not just about us in our house. Mm-hmm. People also don't have houses. Some people don't have the nice food, the yummy food your mommy is making every day. Some people don't have. Mm-hmm. You are grateful, you know. We live in Mende, Maryland. It's quite um, populated. It's quite spread. There's middle class. There's also yeah. not so middle, you know, mm-hmm. whatever middle class means in Nigeria, you know. <laughs> People are bathing outside. Kids are bathing outside. Yeah. Tell you, look at that champion. He's a brilliant boy, but they don't have a shower, daddy. They don't, yeah. have, they, don't, they don't have a bathtub, you know. And you must, each day you get into your bathtub, you must give thanks. Mm-hmm. You must be grateful. And if possible for you, if God helps you to think about how to make that guy outside have a bathtub, you should do that. Mm-hmm. You should do that, okay? And it's important for you not to change. Yeah. This is what will make you happy in life because mm-hmm. there are things that will make you unhappy. Even if you're a billionaire, there are things that will make you unhappy. Once you're in this trajectory, in this journey, yeah. there are things. Jackson, I told you, they love Michael Jackson to death. He used to tell me, by the way, they used to tell me that uh, Austin Moon is this crazy dancer. They watch Disney and all that stuff. I said, let, let me show you who is teaching Austin Moon all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I showed them Michael Jackson when they were seven and five. They were completely blown away. Mm-hmm. Blown away. Then they asked me, my, my younger son, very inquisitive guy. Said, who, so who, who taught Michael Jackson? I said, I will show you one of the guys. <laughs> and that would be James Brown? J.B. Rasta. <laughs> Even J, there was a bit where James Brown was like, called out Jackson from the crowd after a trailer was released. Mm-hmm. I've seen this young guy grow. I've watched him develop his art. And um, come on, Michael. Come on, Michael. Mm-hmm. And Michael was so respectful when he came there. Mm-hmm. And he did a few things with his legs. And mm-hmm. got, James, you see, it's just one energy mm-hmm. going, but it's a relay journey. It's mm-hmm. a relay race. So you, you keep handing over the button. Mm-hmm. But some people want to keep the button, you know. That yeah. Is, so this is the problem. Yeah. But some people it, want to keep the button. Yes. Okay. That's so interesting. If you keep the button, then you'll be out of the race. That's yeah, you'll be out of the yeah, race. Yeah. Oh, no. that's a, that that's interesting. No doubt. Um, um now I think that leads to that first question that I asked. So I like mm. the fact that you answered the other mm. way around. Mm. So um what do you think about African photography, the future of it? Where is this whole, I think I think within that, I have a feeling that there is this notion of keeping the button or not keeping the button. It's, cre- it's incredible. But the dangerous thing in African photography is that to financially energize processes, mm-hmm. it's still not indigenous. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think the first thing is for us to get in, involved, interested in our thing. People, billionaires who are investing in 
real exchange and oil and gas, you know, so look forward to art. Lagos is beginning to wake up to art text and the projects about art-related projects. Mm -hmm. Banks are getting involved. And, you mm -hmm. know, the good thing about Nigeria, for example, is mm -hmm. that is a dive in, dive out. You know, mm -hmm. like everybody dives in at the same time. You know, when one bank starts, maybe all the banks find it interesting, then mm -hmm. they will launch it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that will happen. Maybe even in the African Photography Festival, if Africans could financially get that rolling, it could be great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That also will give the impetus for direction. Mm -hmm. If the money is coming from home, then it's a home thing. Mm -hmm. it's because who, who pays the piper dictates the tune. The tune. Okay. Yeah. This is what I'm hoping for the future of African photography. But I think um, that we also need to produce content that is um, going to be to have a longer shelf life. Mm -hmm. And so we can have something that is worth the while. Mm -hmm. Because... Um, so something that is not like, I mean, yeah. move away from this mentality yes, of yes. instant gratification. Exactly. You know. The essence of process. And, and think, yeah. you know, and think more long term. Long term. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll, I'll go away to America for five years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From February. And just to see another part of the world until to, to walk from diaspora back home mm -hmm. and see what is possible there. Mm -hmm. And also to question the curriculum of African studies. And don't you think you're now moving away a little bit from that whole notion of indigenizing no, uh, it, it, uh, photography it, it, now? I've, I've come art. to realize over time that space has become less of a challenge because even you, I mean, you are, you live in Europe, but your work is incredibly local you yeah. know, in terms of the connections you've been able to make. Mm -hmm. Okay, So if we go to 75% of people who are teaching and learning and advising and articulating African studies globally are Caucasians, mm -hmm. mostly. Mm -hmm. The curriculum is designed by it. Yeah, so if you're studying African studies, that's, I'm, your, I'm Africa. Mm -hmm. My life is your study. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're a PhD holder mm -hmm. in my life. But I'm also looking forward to when we can teach in these institutions without it being at the Department of African Studies. Exactly. For example, if I want, if I, I, I've been given some small um, teaching. Yes. For example, at Hartford University. Okay. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I do, I, I take part in some of their you know, roaming master's beautiful, program. Beautiful, beautiful. And in that, you know, um, mm. in that constellation there, mm. I am just one of the, um, you know, faculties. Yes. Um, I am not an African. I am not, it's not an African department. No, it's not. Because I believe that it's not, I believe that it's, you know, it's the same world we're talking about. That's right. I don't, I don't think that it should be, you know, like, Put in all these boxes. Yes. No, so I'm looking forward to that time, and I'm I'm, I'm hoping that that's how it's going to be more like. Yes. You just come here, just a lecturer here in yeah. this school, yeah. even though that you have a different I, accent and a different. I would think continent. it's more advisory, you know, <laughs> and also be careful to understand how the what that part of the world works because it's important to start disrupting things at that level, mm -hmm. you know, because it trickles down, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's going to affect EU budget about culture later mm -hmm. on. It's going to affect relationships, a diplomatic relationship in Africa. When you start questioning things from that level, but you might be shouting from Lagos, maybe it's not a lot. Shouting from Lagos will inspire the local population, which is very critical. We've been doing that for 25 years. But I'll take out some time to also go to the other side of the river, you mm -hmm. know, to see how uh -huh. the fishing nets are working there, mm -hmm. you know, and um, also ask questions and continue our work, God willing. Yeah. I think we've come to the end of the conversation. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, it's uh, really like a unique opportunity to have been able to have this conversation with you. Yeah. Um, there might even be a sequel. <laughs> a part two. It, it could be great. You know, uh -huh. Well, I, I said something. I, I, I had fun. Yesterday was my birthday. I had two champagnes. Yesterday was my birthday. I had so much fun. <laughs> 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 now my one. Okay. 
Now, before I sign out, I would like to say thank you to Gote Institute Munich for backing this episode. And um, specifically, thank you to Macandre Smatel for facilitating this um, support. Macandre Smatel was a former director of the Gote Institute in Lagos. And it's good to know that he is an ardent follower and supporter of this program, especially at its early stages. And if you'd like to support the program, kindly check out our Patreon page. It's at nkatapodcast.com slash patron. There you'll be able to donate to the project, you know, financially, whatever you feel like. But besides donating financially, you also get to be one of the foundational supporters of the project. Such that when you look down the road, you know, five years, ten years down the road, you know, you look back and say, wow, I was one of those who made this project possible and made it a thing. So yeah, check it out and see how you can become part of the Nkata podcast family that is growing and that is here to stay. Thank you very much and see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.